0: Hello and welcome to the teaching ministry of Impact Family Church. For more information, including service times and directions, or to find out more about us, you can visit our website at www.impactfamilychurch.com. We trust you'll be blessed by today's message. You know, the Lord put it on my heart, I think I told you this, back in, uh, I guess it was December. You know, it put on my heart to talk about uh, forgiveness and then Miss Jackie followed it up last week. We had two, actually, that were called forgiveness, and one that sort of went that way. And then Miss Jackie came back and, and uh, was talking about offense last week, which, you know, was really good. And I appreciate that so much. You know, we, we've laughed so many, so many times because she taught in the primary for, what, 25 years. And there's this great children's little book that was put out many years ago, and it's called Don't Hug a Grudge. And I, we've laughed over the years, going, we ought to pass this out to a lot of adults, <laughs> you know, because they need it, you know. But um, anyway, I, I knew that f- to follow that up, we were going to be talking about love. And so this is going to be, I don't know how many weeks this will be because I've got two or three books laid out all over my desk, and I'm just kind of taking from bits and pieces of, of different things And, um, and so we're just going to kind of go with it, but we're going to be talking about your love life, you know, from, for now, for, I don't know, however long it takes, you know, if that's one week, two weeks, three weeks, I promise not to do the eternal series. If pastor was doing this, it would be the eternal series, but I'm not him. So, so I won't do that. He can, he can expound so much better than I can, but we, you got me. I'm sorry. That's all there is to it. But uh, you know, we're going to go to John 13. Hallelujah. Are you blessed? Amen. Are you going to be blessed even when I get through? Yes. yes, you are. Amen. I had an old an old um teaching I did several years ago called the love walk and I got it out and man, I tell you what I had so much stuff everywhere it's like Okay, you know, we're just going to have to try to try to put this all together in a, in a good format. But let's just start right here. John 13, 34 says, A new commandment I give unto you, that you love one another as I have loved you, that you also love one another. By this shall all men know that you are my disciples, if you have love one to another. Um. Let me just well let me go ahead and read a couple of other, other scriptures. Second John five. There's only one chapter in it. It says, and that's verse five. Now I beseech thee, lady, not as though I wrote a new commandment unto thee, but that that which we had from the beginning, that we love one another. And this is love that we walk after his commandments. This is the commandment. That as you have heard from the beginning, you should walk in it. And then Ephesians 5. Ephesians 5. Hallelujah. Verses 1 and 2. Be ye therefore followers of God as dear children. I have written in the notes, margin of my Bible, as children in, uh, imitate their father. Their father. You ever seen a kid who imitates his dad? Or goes into dad's closet and gets dad's shirt and dad's hat and dad's boots and puts them on? You know, we're, we're supposed to put on the love of God, just like, we, like a little kid imitates his dad and goes and puts his dad's stuff on. It says in verse 2, And walk in love as Christ has also loved us, and has given himself for us as an offering and a sacrifice to God for a sweet-smelling savor. And then go to Romans chapter 13, verse 8. It says, Owe no man anything. Now, you know, there are some people who have used this verse to say you should never finance anything. Uh, That's not what it's talking about. Uh, It says, to Owe no man anything but to love one another, for he that loves another has fulfilled the law. Uh, one, another version of that, the Knox, I think it says, no, the Goodspeed says, has fully satisfied the law. Um, and the Knox translation says, has done all that the law demands. You know, the Weymouth also says uh, to, that it says... Uh, Oh no man anything but to love one another. The Weymouth version of that says, Leave no debt unpaid except the standing debt of love. I like that translation because it basically tells us that there is no time that you have completely satisfied your love walk, that you will always and forever have a standing debt why? Because you don't interact with just one person for the rest of your life. There are always people coming into your, into your life, into your situations, into your sphere of influence that demands that you walk in love. And you have a standing debt to every last one of them. It's not up to us to pick and choose who we walk in love toward. Not up to us. It says to owe no man anything. Well, yeah, but they're this and that and the other. You owe it to them to love them. Well, they have this kind of a lifestyle. I don't care. You owe it to them to love them. That doesn't mean condone what they do. It doesn't mean endorse what they do. It means to love them. No matter who they are, no matter what they've done, no matter what kind of life they live, no matter what. It's up to you to love them. That's the debt you owe them. God is love. Did you know that? Go to 1 John 4. Verse 8. Well, let's start in verse 7. Beloved... Let us love one another. For love is of God, and every one that loveth is born of God and knoweth God. He that loveth not knoweth not God, for God is love. Now go down to verse 16. And we have known and believed the love that God hath to us. God is love, and he that dwelleth in love dwelleth in God, and God is. In him. Listen, love is the most potent characteristic of God that there is. It is the very thing out of which every other part of his, his nature comes from. His love is the motivating factor in his involvement with man. How do I know that? Well, it's easy. John 3:16. For God so loved the world. Not just the believers. There were no believers. When he sent Jesus, there were no believers. We were all in the same boat. Unregenerate sinners. Heathens. Apart from the the works of God. Apart from the life of God. Separated from the life of God. Had no clue about the life of God. It says, God so loved the world that he gave. And really that right there tells you what love is. Love is all about giving. It's not having, not keeping and hanging on to what I want, what I think I need, what I think I deserve, what I think I should have, what I think I should do, what I think I should say. It's about giving. God so loved the world that he gave. That scripture can be taken and used in a, in a myriad number of other applications, you know, you know when it, when it comes to, like, finances, like giving, you know, your financial resources. But I'm telling you what, it's all based in love. And God is love. Now, when you know that, then, then it helps you. God is love. Love, and we have to be ready because we read these other scriptures. You know, to start with, you know that we love one another. There's a new commandment: we love one another. That we're followers of God; that we walk in love as Christ has loved us. We owe no man anything except to love them. That standing debt of love. Uh, we we have to see that that that's that's where our love life is. That's where we should be all the time with every person that we come in contact with because this world is full of people who need to know the love of God. And if they don't see it in us, where will they ever see it? We have to demonstrate that there is a God who loves them so much, so deeply, so so unhesitatingly, so unconditionally. We have to be the ones to expose them to that kind of love. If we don't, then we're not doing our job as believers. You know, um, I, I just, I think so many times that we, we have fallen down, the church has fallen down in its job of loving the world. Now, we, we start with each other. I mean that's that's part of the local church. It's part of the the beauty of being in a local church is you learn to, to to walk out the love walk by being with your brothers and sisters because they're the ones who are supposed to forgive you. Did you hear that word in there? Supposed to forgive you? They're the ones who will let you make mistakes and love you in spite of it. Isn't that wonderful? And they say a true friend is somebody who knows all your faults and loves you anyway. See, God loves you so much. He knows all your faults and he loves you anyway. He knows all your shortcomings. He loves you anyway. He knows about all your mistakes, even the ones that you keep hidden and buried deep, deep down, that nobody will ever know about God knows about those things. And he loves you anyway. And so we come together as a body of believers And and because we're humans, we're going to rub, you know, there's going to be some chafing. There's going to be some abrasions here and there. But we are supposed to love one another anyway. And we learn to walk out the love life with each other so then we can take it out into the world where they don't know that. And we need to demonstrate it to them. You know, I'm reminded uh, how many of you remember a comedian that I don't I don't know if he's still even alive named Mike Warnke? Anybody remember Mike? Do you remember the story he told about when he was in boot camp and he was had been had gotten born again and he was in love with Jesus, but he was bunking you know with a around a couple of guys who hated his guts. They were so inc- I mean I don't even remember all the details of the story about how mean they were to him. And the things that they did to him. And he walked in love to those two men who were with him in boot camp. Until one day, it got the better of them and they gave their life to the Lord. You know, that's a kind of an extreme example. But, you know, I don't know what's extreme to you. I don't know what's extreme in your situation. I mean, I know uh, Mike Warnke's situation, it sounded pretty extreme. Now, he made it sound very funny. I doubt seriously it was all that much fun when he was enduring it. But he was walking in love because he was so in love with Jesus that it didn't matter to him what these two guys were doing to him. You know, we, we sometimes think that, that you know, well, I, I have, I've had to put up with so much with some, from somebody. Hey, how much does God put up with us? I mean, how much has he got to put up with us? I mean, there are some times I know I don't bring great joy to the Father. Is there anybody in here besides me? I am sure there are times he just shakes his head and goes, what is the matter with that girl? What is her problem? Well, her problem is her flesh, you know. That's a real easy answer Uh, because I know it is. I I, I, I wish I could remember the quote of a dear lady up in New York made one time, and I have it written down in my iPad, and I forgot to get it out. And if I, she said something along the lines of, if I don't put on the love of God each day, all people will see is me. Not that good. I don't think I really want them to see me. I really think that they'd be better off to see God. I think it would do them a lot more good, and it would impress them a whole lot more than if they look at me. You know, you ever ever been in a place where you thought, oh, Lord, it, you know, somebody makes a compliment or something, and you go, oh, if they only knew that I'm not like this all the time. That I can be so nasty sometimes. I can be so hard-headed sometimes. Don't you amen? Um, I can be so just, Ugh! All, you know, at times, you know, if anybody, if anybody saw me the way I really, but that's really not you. That's really not you. And see, when we when we look at each other as brothers and sisters in the Lord, and you see the ugly side of somebody, what you need to stop and think to yourself is that's not the real you. That's just your flesh man acting up, but that's not the real you. I hope somebody does that for my benefit when I'm acting not so nice, not so pretty, that they'll look at me and say, oh, that's that's not the real you. And I appreciate so much a story somebody told me one time about their mother, how when they were growing up and they they were misbehaving, she would look at them and say, "Now you need to stop that because I know you're better than that. See, God looks at us sometimes and says, I know you're better than that. We ought to give each other the benefit of the doubt. I know you're better than that. It's easier to do here, maybe, hopefully, hopefully, than it is with those people out in the world. But when you practice on these people in here, then it's easier to go out there, you know, and deal with those people. But let's go on over to, uh, let's see, let's go to 1 Corinthians 13 the love chapter. It's interesting that we we read this so many times at weddings. And I'm thinking, there are times I think after the wedding is over and a year or two down the road, I'm thinking, y'all forgot what was read at your wedding. Y'all are not acting anything like what we read over you at that wedding. Um... It sounds pretty. Oh, we're just love because you know when you're on your wedding day, you're just kind of like, okay, in a fog, and, and it's easy to, to get carried away with all these you know rose-colored glass type attitudes and things. But I'm telling you what, that that honeymoon period is over fairly quickly, and then the nitty-gritty begins to happen in in, in life. And it's not as pretty as it once was. And people forget what these kind of things say. But let's read it. Um, Let's start in verse 1. It says, though I speak with the tongue of men and of angels and have not charity, I am become as sounding brass or a tinkling cymbal. And though I have the gift of prophecy and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and though I have all faith so that I could remove mountains, and have not charity, I am nothing. And though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor, and though I give my body to be burned and have not charity, it profits me nothing. Now, it's interesting that for some reason I wrote this in here. I have not a clue where I got it from. But, um... What I I, I found in verse 1, got this written down. Verse 1 demonstrates that without love, I I am not received. Though I speak with the tongue of men and of angels and have not charity, I have become a sounding brass or a tinkling cymbal. When I don't have love, when I don't walk in love, I'm not received by other people. Verse 2. Though I have the gift of prophecy and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and though I have all faith so that I could remove mountains and could not and have not charity, I'm nothing. Verse 2 demonstrates that I'm not respected without love. Verse 3 And though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor, and though I give my body to be, burn, be burned and have not charity, it profits me nothing. That verse tells me that without love, I'm not rewarded. You could you could be like a model citizen in many many areas, but without love, there's no reward. Reward comes because of love. But let's just go on. You understand that the word charity in here should not be should not be translated as charity. It should be translated as love. Uh, the word charity really, ch- if you went and looked up the definition, it says charity. It means benevolent goodwill toward or love of humanity. Listen, the love of God is more than benevolent goodwill. It is an all-consuming passion for man. By virtue of the fact that he gave his only begotten son for the sake of mankind shows that God's passion for you knows no limits, that he gave the ultimate thing, the ultimate sacrifice to show you just how much he loves and cares about you. It goes so far beyond that benevolent goodwill. And so here this this word should should have been translated as love and and really, it's the God kind of love. There is a God kind of love. Um, let's um, let's see. I've got this sheet here, so you know we can just read it here out of the new King out of the regular King James, and I'll just use the word love instead of charity. Love suffers long and is kind. Love envies not. Uh, ch- love vaunts not itself is not puffed up, does not behave itself unseemly, seeks not her own, is not easily provoked, thinketh no evil, rejoices not in iniquity, but rejoices in the truth, bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love never fails, but whether there be prophecies, they shall fail. Whether there be tongues, they shall cease. Whether there be knowledge, it shall vanish away. Now let me go back to the amplified version of it. Uh, It says, love. Endures long and impatient and kind. You know, it's um, when we read the word endures, I think sometimes we in our in our mind we put a different kind of a spin on it than what God would put. Because really the very first definition in the in the dictionary of endure, you know what it is? Three simple words. Put up with. Love doesn't just put up with, you know, that, that sounds, makes it sound like, all right, I'm just got to put up with this. That's really not what that means. That means that it, it stays the same. It stays the same in every situation. It, it doesn't change. It doesn't, it doesn't do one thing or another. it just, this is love. This is love. I'm not going to move to this side of this. We don't just put up with things. Can you imagine if we thought God just put up with us? I'm going, wow, you know, thanks a lot, God. You're just putting up with me. No, it goes so much further than that. His love never changed. It says love endures long. Well, how long is long? How long How long do I have to endure? As long as it takes. That's it, as long as it takes. Yeah, but don't no, don't go there. Don't go there. Don't go. Don't do a yeah, but. You know, you to do that means you're negating what this what this says, and you can't afford to do that. Love endures long and it's patient and kind. Patient, patient. You ever had needed some patience? Hmm. The trying of your faith works patience. You got faith that your love walk is working? Oh, wait for it to be tested. Then we'll find out what kind of patience you got. Love endures long and is patient. Love never is envious nor boils over with jealousy. You know, I've seen over the years where people in one church body, there are some folks that get jealous and envious of somebody else's blessing. Somebody gets up, to you give a big praise report about how you know, they received some kind of a blessing or something in their life and and somebody out there is just being on the inside, they're just they're just seething with jealousy and envy. Well, well, how come I don't have that? How come that has that happened to me? How come somebody else didn't somebody didn't give me that opportunity? Somebody didn't give me that money, how somebody didn't supply my need. You can you can't afford to do that. You can't afford it. You just have to say I'm in that same line. I'm in the, I'm in I'm I'm next next. You know, rejoice when somebody else is blessed. Rejoice when somebody else has had some marvelous thing come their way. Don't don't go. Well, how come? Don't get no pity party mistake. Don't let the enemy do. It. And you know what it'll happen? It it happens sitting right there in that chair. People will just the enemy, the enemy just loves to come in and go. Well, why not you? You deserve that as much as they do. Don't listen. And let me tell you, when, when you somebody's talking about the love walk, he's going to be right there in your ear, telling you something. Yeah, but this doesn't apply. To that. Yeah, but that shouldn't know your situation. Yeah, but it's not been. That, she's never experienced anything as bad as you've experienced. Listen, you could you could take the life of Jesus. And Jesus experienced every kind of situation that needed love to prevail in. And he did it. Okay. I'll go on. We'll come back. Uh, Love is not boastful or vainglorious. Does not display itself haughtily. It's not conceited, arrogant and inflated with pride. It's not rude, unmannerly, and does not act unbecomingly. Love, God's love in us, does not insist on its own right or its own way, for it is not self-seeking. You know, as I was writing some of this stuff down today, um, something I I heard Keith Moore say years ago, and I thought, are you kidding me, really, really? Isn't that taking it to a little to the extreme? What he said was this. When you interrupt somebody when they're talking, you are not walking in love. Uh. And I thought, are you going to get that nitpicky? Seriously, just because, you know, I'm having this conversation, you know, and and, and they're talking and I talk over them or or I interrupt them and talk. And, and and you know, he's right. Yes, he he's right. I know. Sometimes it's fun because we used to 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 meet Pastor George and Pastor Carol, you know, for for dinner somewhere. And we'd be in that restaurant for four hours. We'd have to tip the waitress twice because we we're there so long. And we just had the most fun. And. And, and, and we would just talk, 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 talk. And we were just back and forth, you know, going back and forth. And Pastor George sometimes would go, stop, me my turn, my turn, my turn. <laughs> you know, those are fun times. You know, but, you know, what do we do when we're having a discussion with somebody that maybe is not exactly the most pleasant of conversations? We interrupt them to, put, to get our point across, to get our message in, to get our little dig in. To get our little point across. Well, does that line up with this? Love does not insist on its own rights or its own way, even in a little thing. What, I'm, what I'm, I'm, I'm thinking here is that when we begin to walk in the light of what the Word says about what love is and is not, there are little aspects of your life that God's going to start talking to you about changing. And it may be a habit of interrupting somebody when they're talking. It might be something as seemingly minor as that. It's not right, and I, I know Brother Moore said the same thing. He was getting round right down to the nitty-gritty this particular time, and he said, it's not right for you to keep somebody else waiting when you were supposed to be somewhere at a certain time. What that says is that your time is more important than theirs. Mm, these little things. We look at the love walk sometimes as, as huge issues, when really, you know, we forget that, that in the small things, there are ways and things that we should change. Drives me crazy when I'm waiting on somebody. My children know when I say we're going to eat at this and, this and particular time, you better be there because mama will sit down and eat without you. I like my food hot. You know, and I'm not going to wait on you to get it, to finally get there. They, they learned that years ago. And so even when they're coming, like my, my other kids, you know, coming from out of town, and I say, I plan to eat about this time. They know I plan to eat about that time. For them to be late, mama not happy. Mama not happy. You know what it says to me? It says that you valued your, your, whatever you were doing more than you valued the effort I was putting into this. Mmm, lots of little things. You need to stop and consider sometimes what I'm doing is—is is this manifesting the love walk? Is my, is my love life kind of getting bombarded with this particular area? And is it is am I really doing all that I can, all that I should, you know, in this particular area? They might be seemingly little, but they're really not little. I better go on for y'all. Give me something here uh, let's see where were we in verse five it can take oh is not is not touchy or fretful or resentful it takes no account of the evil done to it pays no attention to a suffered wrong well now that that part says it takes no account of the evil done to it that right there is a real love gauge If you choose to take no account of a suffered wrong. See, here he's giving you the the option, I mean, the, the, uh, the advantage of saying a suffered wrong. The problem is so many times people get offended at something that's an imagined wrong. Not even a suffered wrong. For goodness sake, you know, we ought to be walking in love when you've had a suffered wrong, an actual suffered wrong. But a lot of people are so touchy do they imagine more wrong than they've ever suffered? Not, not exactly a good testimony there. Uh, in verse 6, it says, It does not rejoice at injustice and unrighteousness, but rejoices when right and truth prevail. Hmm. Listen, if we don't get better at paying no attention to a suffered wrong, then the next verse, we will not be able to do this one. Love bears up under anything and everything that comes, is ever ready to believe the best of every person. If we aren't good at taking no account of a suffered wrong, we will never be able to believe the best of someone. So many times people pass on information that's not good about somebody, and most of it's wrong. Most of it's wrong. Choose to believe the best. Choose to believe the best. Years ago, 1983, 84, you know, we had a whole bunch of people leave the church, and, and there was a lot of talk. High Springs was so much smaller back then. And uh, everybody knew everybody. Everybody knew everybody's business. You know, we had been here for almost four years, and we were still looked at as outsiders. The pastor went into a, a hard, local hardware store to get something, and and we knew there had been a lot of talk because the people who had left had been here for much longer, of course, than we had. Some had been here all their lives. A lot of talk had been going on around town, and because uh, we were still that church, we were fairly new, and and weren't like any other church around. And, uh, so anyway, he went in this particular hardware store and, and, uh, the man at the, at the counter brought up a gentleman's name who had been in the church that we knew had been saying a lot of things. And, and he brought up his name and he was expecting pastor to, to kind of give him the other side of what he had heard. And he, uh, pastor looked at him and he said, let me tell you one thing. And he called the man's name. He said, let me tell you one thing about so-and-so. And the, this guy at the, at the counter, he just kind of leaned forward like he was about to get a juicy tidbit. And he said, let me tell you something about that man. He's one of the finest men I have ever known. Deflated. <laughs> just totally deflated. He was going to get some dirt on somebody. Listen, even when you've suffered a wrong, speak well. Of the person that you think you had that has wronged you, take the ammo out of the situation. Just, just, just—I mean, it it becomes a dud, so that it doesn't—it doesn't grow. You know, you you don't need other people in the middle of something like that. You know, it—it just helps so much when you don't let. Things said disparagingly about someone enter your hearing and take root in your thought life, and then, and before you know it, if you're not careful, it'll come out your mouth what you've heard. Believe the best, especially if it's another brother or sister in the Lord. Believe the best about it. The very least you can say is, Well, that's not really them, that is that they're not like that, that's not the real them. Why don't you just say that? No, you know, I don't know what's going on with you. I don't need to know. I don't need to know any details, but I know that's not the real them. And let it go. Believe the best. Um, It says in verse 7 It's hope. That's we're talking about love. Its hopes are fadeless under all circumstances and endures everything without weakening. Love never fails. Never fades out or becomes obsolete or comes to an end. As for prophecy, that is the gift of interpreting the divine will and purpose, it can be fulfilled and pass away for tongues. They will be destroyed and cease. As for knowledge, it will pass away. Here's the thing love, the God kind of love, never fails because love and God go together. God is love. We've already read that. God is love. God never fails. Tongues will pass away. We get to heaven, there will be no tongues. There will be no prophecies. There will be no need for, for knowledge. But I'm telling you what, the one thing that will never pass away is the love of God. Because if God is love, then love is eternal. It'll, love will always be present. To me, it almost seems as though his love is what holds this whole thing together. It's what keeps it moving. You know, it keeps the, the earth spinning and the universe rotating and all the things that, that, that go into just life, you know. It's the very, the, at the core, the, the, the particles that hold it all together are made up of the love of God. How else could it exist? Hallelujah. And the love of God is not a passive thing. It's an active thing. Do you see this? It endures long. It's patient. It's kind. That's not passive. That is an active, ongoing, um, dynamic thing working in a believer. Because now we're going to go to Galatians 5. and we're skipping all over these notes. Uh, that, that's okay. Galatians 5. It says, but the fruit of the spirit that is the recreated human spirit is love isn't it interesting the very first thing the fruit of the recreated human spirit is love because the love of god has been put on inside of you joy peace long suffering where did i write this down um Long-suffering, in other translations, it says patience or forbearance. Gentleness, which is also interpreted as uh, kindness. Goodness, translated in other places as benevolence and generosity. Did you know you have a generous nature? Don't let your flesh tell you you're stingy. Don't let it dominate you. Don't let stinginess dominate you. What you hold on so tightly, you will lose eventually. But what you give away will come back to you. Why? Because it's more blessed to give than to receive. Um, Let's go on here. Um, Then it says, faith, no explanation needed there, meekness, temperance, which is self-restraint or self-control. Listen. You already have the love of God on the inside of you. And the way you say, well, it sure doesn't feel like it. Listen, you can increase that. You can increase it, number one, by getting into the Word, and then by exercising the Word that's in you. You have to put it into action. No word that you ever hear will do you any good if you don't go out there and put it into practice. You're supposed to be a doer of the word, not a hearer only. I loved what one of pastor's instructors at Ramah used to say. He said, if it's not practical, it's not spiritual. What he was saying is, if you can't put it into practice, it's no good. Let me put it this way. If you don't put it into practice, it's no good. We choose many times not to put into practice the things that we have heard things that we know but I'm here to tell you what you heard you're responsible for now you can't say well I just you know I just I didn't really understand oh yeah you did yeah you understood a whole lot more than you want to let on. that's what my kids did, used to say to me when I tell me a particular job and go why didn't you do it like I told you oh I didn't understand oh you know why because you really weren't listening we can come to church and not really listen. We can hear it, it and go right in and right out. There was a, I'll tell you a real quick joke. There was a guy who was, who was out on a farm, and he had a, a pastor, a doctor, and a lawyer there. And they all saw this deer at the same time. And they all three shot and, and the farmer went out to see, you know, if the, the animal was, was, it was dead, and he was. And they all three came down there, and, and they were all claiming it was their deer. And the pastor said, oh, no, no, I know it's mine. I think, like, well, how do you know it's your?" He said, because it went in one ear and out the other. <laughs> there are times when we can tell it just goes in one ear and out the other. You have to put it into practice. You can't plead ignorance when you've heard it. You're responsible for what you've heard. And if you go over to, I'm not going to take a whole lot of time with this, but if you go over to uh, John 15, verses 1 through 8, it's talking about abiding in the vine, that you'll bear much fruit. Listen, every fruit tree has the potential to bear fruit, it's a fruit tree. Believers have the potential to bear fruit. That's what you do because the fruit of the Spirit is these things. But you have to do something with that fruit tree if you want fruit on it. You have to water it. You have to fertilize it. And you have to prune it. To have the kind of fruit tree that you really want to have and to receive the blessing of that fruit that's supposed to be on that tree, you have to water it with the Word. You have to, you have to fertilize it by actually doing what it says. And you have to prune some things. You can't just let it go wild. You know, the fruit will turn out not to be as good as, even though it might be loaded, it'll be, it'll be nasty. You have to prune some things off. You know, God doesn't want somebody else to come in and prune your fruit tree. He wants you to do it. Because really, you can do it a whole lot better than somebody else can do it. Somebody else might come along and just kind of gently snip a little bit. But let me tell you, when God gets a hold of you and tells you you need to start pruning something, I mean, you can go, rah with a kind of chainsaw kind of reaction. Get rid of that. Get rid of that. Only you can do that. Nobody else can do that for you. A little sermon here and a little sermon there can, you know, take a few little, you know, dead things off the off the tip ends. But I'm telling you what, only you can really prune some things that need to be pruned back greatly. But the benefit of that is what wonderful fruit is a result of all of those things. I mean, sweet, sweet, sweet fruit. Stuff that people look at and go, that's be- That's a beautiful tree. That is some of the best fruit. And you see, we go around giving this fruit away. We give away love. We share joy. We share peace. You know, it's nice that that, uh, Michelle sung that song tonight. This joy that I have, the world didn't give it to me. No. By being a child of God, that's where you got it. The kind of joy that we're talking about is when you've got the love of God on the inside of you and working on the inside of you, there's joy no matter what the situation is. You're walking through all these different situations Walking in the love of God. And that means that you're maintaining your joy. And if you maintain your joy, you will maintain your peace. Isn't that wonderful? To know that love, joy, and peace go together so well. But it starts with love. Um, Galatians 5, 16 talks about walking in the Spirit. Listen, Walking in the Spirit is walking in the fruit of the recreated human spirit. Can you imagine what our relationships with people would be like if we really walked in love all the time, in the God kind of love, constantly aware? You know, I, I go back to you know some of the definitions that, of, of that we found, you know, in the Amplified version of First Corinthians thirteen. It would pay us in every situation to make sure that we are slow to respond in what seem to be confrontational situations. Slow to respond. My mouth has gotten me in trouble so much because I spoke before I thought and before I checked. You know, sometimes you can, you can just naturally, because if your mind is being renewed to the Word of God, you're, you can you can automatically just go, oh, nope, can't say that. But I'm telling you, what, when you check your heart, your heart will say, uh-uh, no, no. But we get ourselves in too much trouble because we're too quick to respond to a situation or to people. Too quick? And then you make a mess, and then you got more cleanup to do than was necessary. You know, I have a... Uh, I've uh, spent a year trying to forge a relationship of some kind with one of my neighbors, and uh, and I'm believing God that it's gonna it's bearing fruit, and uh, it's it's not been. You know, I I let my mouth get in the way a little over a year ago at an HOA meeting, and what I said was true, but it was not said nicely. Uh, I could have avoided it. But I, I didn't. I chose not to. But, but you know, since then, I have, made, I have made an effort to every time I see them to be pleasant, to be interested in them, to just let the love of God shine through me. And um, I'm not sure that, it's, it, that it's, it's taken as much of a hold as I'd like it to just yet, but I'm believing God that it will. Because this person needs so much to experience the love of God. In their own heart, they're a Christian. They say they are, but I'm thinking you've never been talked to, told about the love of God. Honestly, I mean, you may have read these scriptures, just like you read the love scriptures at a wedding. It just went in one ear and out the other. You know, when the when the newness and the excitement, the fireworks were over, suddenly, you know, they don't remember these passages about what love is. But wouldn't it be nice to take love, the God kind of love, into marriage? Wouldn't it be wonderful to take the God kind of love into the family? Wouldn't it be nice if parents walked in love toward children and children walked in love toward, toward mom and dad? And You know, the teenage years could be heaven on earth and nobody is too young to know what the God kind of love is and experience it and actually do it. Nobody's too young. You know, I I appreciate the fact that, you know, in uh, Faith Island and in Showtime, especially Showtime, their their focus is on godly characteristics. And they spend a lot of time on some of these areas, you know, teaching these children. And if they take that with them into school, what a blessing. How many children are there that they go to school with, no matter what kind of school it is, that needs somebody? to just show them the love of God. I am so happy that we have some people in this church who are uh, employees of the school system because, I mean, I, I know that, that sometimes the way they treat certain children is the only touch of God's love that they experience in a day. And I, I know it's not always easy you know for them to put up with some of the things that go on and some of the ways that children are allowed to behave they're a product of their environment and yet they determine so often to show these children love no matter what and it pays off i've i've heard i've heard testimonies that have come back from them about this this child who was just so bad and so unruly and and so the behavior was terrible would come back after a while and 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 just be changed when they're around them because of the attitude that is shown to them. The love of God pays off. And you don't ever know the results that you walking in love towards somebody can have in their life. You may not see it as a huge thing, but I tell you what, God, I, I can tell you personally from somebody who had a very hardened heart as a backslider, that it was just somebody just showing me the genuine love of God that finally broke down the walls enough for God to get in again. It matters. It matters how we treat people. It matters that we show the God kind of love every single day, no matter no matter where we go. I, I was in a, a store not long ago, and and. Uh, this lady was just very nasty to me because I got too close to her, you know. And I, my flesh just wanted to tell her what I thought. Though, if you think that I'm to one foot too close to you, then maybe you shouldn't be in this store at all. Is what I wanted to say. But I went, okay, okay, fine. I just I backed up. You know, you have those kind of moments. Listen, those are great moments. For you to just let the love of God take control of the situation. They may not recognize what you're doing, but you know. It's exercising what's in you, causing it to grow, causing it to to bear fruit. Um, 1 John 4.16, Then we'll have to stop. 1 John 4.16. Hallelujah. You know, human love is no no uh, substitute for the love of God. It's no substitute. It's a poor substitute because it fails so miserably when challenged by hardship. And yet the love of God on the inside of us rises to the occasion when challenged by hard circumstances. Here in, in 1 John four sixteen, it says, and we have known and believed the love that God has to us. God is love, and he that dwells in love dwells in God and God in him. We have known and believed. See, here's the thing we have to make it an aim of ours to know the love of god and to believe the love of god and when we do life becomes so much better you know you can say well i just can't do that yeah yeah you can yeah you can i pulled out brother hagen's book love the way to victory And he said in in one chapter here, in the first chapter, and I'm just going to read this to you. He says, make this confession from your heart. The love of God has been shed abroad in my heart by the Holy Ghost. I shall endeavor to let that love nature dominate me. I have God's love nature in my heart, in my spirit. Therefore, I'll not let my natural human reasoning dominate me. I refuse to allow the flesh to rule me. I'm going to walk in the Spirit by walking in love. I am a love lover, not a hater. I will practice and exercise the fruit of love so that it can grow and increase. One way I will practice the God kind of love is by taking no thought for a suffered wrong. I will also practice thinking the best of every person so my love can grow and develop and I can be a blessing to many. I will make the love of God my great quest in life for then my love shall abound, and God shall reap glory. It's a great confession. If you don't have that, you know I can I can let you get this, and I can write it out for you, or whatever. But I'm telling you what we we have to we have to get to a place where we are the providers of God's love in this world. We have to do that. The I I. I particularly believe that our country, our world is in the shape it's in because we have not done our job in sharing the love of God like we should have. You can't, you can't change people's actions until you change their heart and you can't change their heart without showing them the love of God. And you can't show them the love of God unless you have made a decision, a quality decision, to walk in it every single day. Is it easy on my flesh? No, it's not. Is it easy on my thinking? No, it's not. But those things can change. I can make a choice to change. I can make a choice to let the Word of God renew my mind and between my mind and my spirit, we can dominate my flesh. And when put in any situation, I can make sure the love of God shines out from me so that all men will know that there is a God and that they can have that same love on the inside of them. The problem with so many people is they have never experienced what real love is all about. You have the ability to share that love with them, the real love, the, the God kind of love.